thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. For more information, log on to Quinley.com. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread, episode 55. And I've been away for about a month in Asia, had a really awesome trip. Got to spend some time in Manila, which has really come to feel like home over 18 years of living there. Uh, although Cleveland, Tennessee is starting to feel a little bit like home too now. Uh, but always enjoy spending time with our staff there at the Edge Radio and seeing all the new things that God is doing in the Philippines through media. So I had a week there, then went to Thailand, spent some time with our Thai team, moved with them into Myanmar. Uh, with Robin Kung's church, and that was just a joy because Burma, if you've never been there, is just one of those very, very special places, uh, still kind of unspoiled, but has gone through so much hardship as a nation, but those are tough people, and they're they're sweet people, and we were there just to see how we could help him, and he launched a new Christian devotional, uh, courtesy of uh, UCB International, and it's called The Word for You Today, and it's the first Burmese edition. It gives young people a devotional they can relate to. So we were there to help him launch that. We shot um, about 10 uh, music videos for an upcoming DVD of Christian music that Robin and his group are publishing, and that all flows out of their training at Media Light in Thailand just a, a year ago. So we're seeing some really good fruit from that program. Well, today uh, is a, we move deeper into the passion that Jesus suffered for us, and we're going to talk about how Jesus redeemed us from bad government. One thing that I think uh, Bible teachers have to be careful of is that they don't turn everything into a, a happy life lesson for all of us today. Uh, this is the section of Scripture where you really can't do that anymore. This is about Jesus and his sacrifice and what every single aspect of that sacrifice provided for us as his people. And so we need to just take it and chew on it and sit in awe of what the Lord has done for us and uh, acknowledge the terrible cost that it laid upon him. But Praise God for his willingness to pay that price and for how deeply, deeply he loves us. So today we're going to look at when Jesus faced the government of Rome and in his suffering had to deal with his relationship toward government. So if you don't have your Bible, please go get one because Thread is a verse-by-verse study. And we're in Mark chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15. So we'll be right back with Thread. Okay, how Christ redeemed us from bad government. That's today's topic on thread. Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. We're looking now into the passion of Christ, and we've already passed through his arrest in the garden, his abuse by his own religious uh, elders, those who are supposed to be the spiritually mature, who are leading him closer to God and to see how godless they could be, how cruel in their legalism. 
Uh, he has already been denied by his closest friend, Simon Peter, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And if we were going to sum up what we're going to get from this passage, it would simply be, by his wounds, we are healed. The passion of Christ Jesus had so many dimensions that he had to endure because he had to be crushed in every area that's been affected by the fall so that we could be healed and made whole in that same area. For example, our relationship with close friends. He was wounded in that relationship as all of his disciples abandoned him and then Peter denied that he even knew him, began to call curses on himself. Jesus turned and looked at him and that crushed Peter, but it had to have hurt Christ as well. He's been crushed and wounded in his relationship with close friends. He's been crushed and wounded in his relationship with his spiritual community because Jesus was a Jew and he grew up in a Jewish community and the elders and priests and scribes, they handed down the tradition of the Old Testament and they kept the text uh, free from pollution and they passed that on to him. And he, even as a child, the scripture told the story of Jesus at 12 years old in the temple among these same leaders. And he's asking questions and he's listening to them. And now that same community that has fed him spiritually and to which he is so closely bonded and identified, those spiritual leaders, that spiritual community has turned on him now. Uh, and he's been crushed and he's been wounded in his spiritual community. He's been crushed and wounded by authority. As we all know, we're under authority and we're given a measure of authority in this life. And now the chief of the priests and the leaders uh, among his people, they have wounded him. He's been wounded in his body. And now he's being wounded in his nation, in his human, his relationship to uh, human government. And it'll keep progressing and finally wounded even in relationship to God himself. God, why are you forsaking me? So in each of these dimensions that we need, these are foundation blocks in our life as humans. And in each of them, because sin had affected all of them, in each of these ways, Christ has to go back into that relationship and be wounded on our behalf so that we could be healed and be able to operate normally again in that relationship and have those things redeemed. So these and many more things are encountered in the trials of Jesus. He goes through disappointment. He faces injustice. He faces disloyalty, hypocrisy. And these things just pound him like a mallet. And we just have to sit in awe of that because the self-sacrifice of God on our behalf is the central event in the history of the world. Christ and Christ alone healed us with that one day of torment. We stand complete in him today, praise God, because of the suffering that he went through on our behalf and the vindication that God gave him through the resurrection. So the sufferings of Jesus are not just a... Uh, a tragedy that happened to a good man one day 
and they illustrate, you know, how how evil the world is. That's not what it was. It's substitutionary atonement. That's a key biblical concept. By his wounds, we are healed. When he is crushed, we are healed. When uh, he has peace ripped away from him, that grants peace to us because what's happened is Jesus has taken our place. He is under the curse of God and he is suffering for sin and he is suffering the weight of sin in every human dimension so that we can exchange places with him and we stand in perfection with God as the sons and daughters of God wearing wearing Jesus. I'm a man in Christ, Paul said. And Jesus takes the full weight of the human failure and what that failure has brought to the world. So as you watch the sufferings of Jesus, you have to watch them theologically and understand what he's doing for us, why he is going through every single stage of this. In this uh, scene that we're going to look at today, he's being crushed by government. We all have to relate to a government of some kind. Uh, Some of the people listening to the podcast Uh, Most are from democratic societies where they get to participate in government. That's a relatively new idea. Others who listen to the podcast are from countries where you do not have much participation. Either the political system is already sort of uh, rigged in a sense so that you can vote if you want to, but they can still control all the outcomes. Some countries listening really don't have political freedom at all. Uh, you're ruled by a military government or some other form of government that you didn't select and can't say anything about. And that's been the human situation forever. We've always been led by someone. Somebody takes over the reins of our nation. And, you know, in the West, we grouse about our leaders constantly. Uh, it's kind of refreshing, actually, to live in Thailand and hear how highly they praise their king and how highly they, you know, they they see him as a leader. It doesn't always translate over to the civilian government, but still that, you know, we're not told to curse the government, uh, we're told to bless it and to work within it, and do our best, even if the government is unjust. So here comes Jesus, and he is facing now government, the government of Rome, Pilate's position was a procurator. He was like a governor placed there uh, by the Roman Empire to govern the people of Israel in the land of Israel. And one of his chief duties was to ensure justice, that the laws and the values of the Roman Empire were, were in effect in Israel and that things were done there in accordance with the justice system of the Roman Empire, because the, you know it's famous that that was an empire that actually had a system of justice. Um, scripture says in verse one, Jesus was led away early in the morning to Pilate. Verse two, then Pilate asked him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" And he answered to him, "It is as you say." The chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, "Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you." But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now, the Jews had no authority for capital punishment. And in order to put Jesus to death, they had to appeal to Pilate for that. He had to be the one to put him to death. 
And so they brought him there. They're making their case. And it starts off, and Pilate uh, asks a question of Jesus. Jesus actually interacts with him directly. If you see the scene, they brought him there beaten, bloody, and bound. And that's just a way to show, you know, that, oh, he's already guilty. You don't need to think about this very deeply. We've already uh, had our interact, you know, our uh, our meeting, and we've decided that he's guilty, man. He's done really terrible things. But they keep changing the terrible thing that they say he's done. And uh, But Jesus won't even talk to the Sanhedrin. He sees them as spiritually bankrupt. They have a higher level of responsibility because they are ordained by God himself to serve. They have the laws of Moses. They have the legal code that God gave that gave justice concepts to the whole world. You know, that early Jewish code, when you read the the books of the law of Moses that God gave on Mount Sinai, there's nothing like that in the ancient world. You know, ancient world laws kind of say, the king is the boss. Whatever the king says is law, and that's it. Whatever the king wants, he gets. And now here's one that says you can't do this to the poor. You have an obligation. There are all these you know, humanitarian laws and laws that honor even slaves and the rights of slaves. And there was nothing like that in the ancient world, but God gave it to them. So these men have all of that, and yet their heart is so hard that they participate in lying, in murder, in the worst crimes, have turned God's worship into a business to make money for themselves. And this is just purely about power and money. And basically, it's because he went in and flipped all the tables over in the temple now for the second time. And if you remember, that happened only like a week ago that Jesus came into the temple and then cleared the thing out again. And it's their business that is disrupted. And um, so they're bringing it to Pilate. They want him dead. And verse 10 says, Pilate read this situation correctly. He said, you're only here, verse 10. He knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. You know, he realized looking at him as a judge that these people are grasping at straws. They keep changing the charge and they're just trying to uh, give me some legal basis so that I can say that you're guilty. And yet, uh, although he realizes that Jesus is just there for envy, these guys are after his life. And back in verse 5, he marvels that Christ wasn't fighting for his life. And he wasn't panicked for his life. He's, and he's never seen anyone react like that. I think it's kind of amazing that God chose to be born without Roman citizenship. You know, he came into the world that he made, and yet he chooses a position that keeps him just as weak as a person could be. If Jesus had Roman citizenship like Paul did, he can just stand on that citizenship, and this whole situation will change. Um, it's Passover, and on Passover, in keeping with the old tradition, an innocent lamb is killed on behalf of the family, and the blood of the lamb is uh, splashed on the doorpost all the way around, two sides in the top, because the origin of the Passover ceremony is that in the Old Testament, when Israel was being held captive by the Egyptians, and the Egyptians would not release them to go and worship God, would not let the people go, the Lord sent an angel of death 
And the angel of death was sent with the assignment to kill the firstborn, which is a symbol of your, your family's future. Kill the firstborn in every single house, Jew and Gentile, uh, Egyptian and Jews. And it, the only way to keep this angel away was to take the blood of an innocent lamb and put it on the doorpost. And if you would do that, he would pass over your house, and that was your way of escaping. So that's what the Passover ceremony is, and it's coming the next day. And so they're in a they're in a rush to get this done, so they can become ceremonially pure, uh, and go through the ritual, so they can participate and lead in the Passover ceremonies. Well, in verse six, it's Passover. It just says in verse six the feast, but that's what we're talking about. And the people start to request from Pilate that he do what he always does, and that is show mercy to one. Because that's kind of what Passover is about. I think it's interesting that in this case, God uses even this mob to prophesy. And he finds a way to speak his truth even through the words of this mob that's gathered that's going to actually be part of the the killing of Jesus, going to call for his death. And yet, as they're there, they're asking him to uh, remember the spirit of Passover and show mercy to one. And that's what God is doing. That's exactly what he's doing for them in Jesus. Jesus is the great Passover lamb. He's being slain for the sins of the whole world to put the blood of Jesus over the door of every house on the planet so that the judgment of God will pass over us and God can show mercy to one. Now, Pilate had one who was an interesting uh, candidate for mercy. His name was Bar Abbas. It means the son of a father. He was a murderous rebel against government. So we're dealing now with Jesus facing government. Barabbas has faced government and rebelled against it because fallen man hates to be held accountable and we don't like to be governed. Now, here's Pilate in charge of justice. He knows that Barabbas is guilty, not just guilty of revolt, but guilty of murdering people in his revolt. It's you know the highest level of guilt. And he knows also that Christ is innocent. And yet he disregards all of this for political reasons um they call out that he should do what they wanted you know release one verse seven there was one named barabbas and verse nine do you want me to release Pilate says king of the jews and they the chief priest verse 11 stirred up the crowd and said no release barabbas and Pilate says why what what do you want me to do with the one called king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. Verse 15. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he scourged him to be crucified. Now, what Pilate is doing out of political reasons to let an absolutely guilty man go and to put an absolutely innocent man to death God is also going to do, but he will do it out of mercy and love for all of the Barabbas people in the world, all those who are the sons of the Father, which is all of us, who also cast off authority because that's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. The Lord said, 
You can have every tree in this garden, and he picks one and says, not that one. And just the one that he picked was the one they had to have, and they cast off God's authority. Children cast it off. The terrible twos are all about the inborn uh, rebelliousness to push away from authority and to assert your own authority, even over your parents who love you and feed you and take care of everything in your life. And yet there's that little two-year-old you know, pouting and stomping and uh, snarling at his parents, terrible twos. God bless all of you that are dealing with my kids. It was a terrible one and a half. But anyway, the uh, we've got that in us. We've got that in us as a people. We are Barabbas. And as Pilate lets Barabbas go free that day and the prison doors open and Barabbas knows he's headed for execution and they say, no, you're, you are, you're being released because another man is going to die who is innocent, who should have been freed, but he won't be. He'll be killed and you'll go free. And that's exactly what the Lord is doing on the cross. So government, like friendships, like family, like spiritual community is fallen. And as Jesus faces injustice from the government, this pounding, it's just so that we can be redeemed and we can relate properly to the government. And God is establishing a new government, the kingdom of God. It's being established by Christ. In every one of these abuses, he establishes the kingdom of God in friendships, the kingdom of God in family, the kingdom of God in spiritual community, the kingdom of God now in government. And this small mustard seed is going to continue to grow into a righteous tree of life. This kingdom that will never end, that has perfect government, perfect family, perfect friendships. And we get to taste a little bit of that. As citizens of the future kingdom of God, we get to experience it every now and then. Like diamonds in the dirt, we find in the church, we find in in the life that God is giving us, in the here and now, we get little bits. It's not the complete kingdom of God, but it's pretty good. Pretty good. And so we have to praise God for what he has done and praise you, Jesus, for your willingness to open the door for us to enter the kingdom of God. That's all this time. Uh, if you'd like to write me directly, just email me, chuck at quinley.com. I would love to hear from you. God bless. See you next time on Thread.